Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by guest analyst Asha Komogisha in Tunisia and by Stuart Weir in the UK. Uh, Ida's away this week. Well, on this week's show, we go to the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations in Mauritania, the biggest sporting event ever held in the country, and there are two brand-new stadiums for the tournament. Also, we investigate a hot issue, allegations of the weaponization of COVID-19 in African football. Some visiting teams have accused their opponents of arranging fake positive COVID-19 results to rule players out of action. You know, because the people, they can't take advantage of this COVID pandemic to, to, to get qualification to, 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 to the next round, to the group stages. I think the cup needs to be strict. More on this hot issue later on. Also, was it fair for UEFA to give Cameroon and Ajax goalkeeper Andre Anana a one-year ban after he failed an out-of-competition doping test when he says he took the wrong medication by mistake? And Stuart with the English Premier League latest. But let's start at the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations, which is underway in Mauritania. It's an expanded edition now with 12 teams instead of eight. The top four teams at the tournament would have qualified for the 2021 FIFA Under-20 World Cup in Indonesia. But that tournament has been cancelled due to COVID-19. Well, it's the biggest football event, indeed the biggest sporting event ever held in Mauritania. Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba is there. He's following the Gambia team, the Baby Scorpions, in the city of Nouadhibou. And I asked at Mamadou how things are there. Thank you, Steve. Um, things are looking good, good facilities uh, with the new um, stadiums, the two new stadiums. Um, things are looking good. The, the football has been good. We've seen teams that are ready to play expansive football. Uh, we have not been seeing teams that are happy to sit and soak up a lot of pressure. So it's been a good um, uh, first match day in the under-20s Africa Cup of Nations here in Rutenia. Tell us a bit more about the facilities there, Mamadou. Two brand new stadiums uh, for this competition, which uh, obviously is going to benefit uh, football in Mauritania a lot. Yeah, indeed. Um, with the uh, start Sherna uh, Ul Buidia in the Manuakshad, uh, which is close to uh, the Mauritanian um, FA headquarters, uh, built with support from FIFA in the um, FIFA. 4 2.0, uh, which uh, they used to build the, the, the stadia. It's a it's a small stadia um, hosting about um, a 10,000 uh, a 10,000 seater stadium, which looks very good. I've, I've had the opportunity to be there, uh, which I think would really um, help the growth of football here in Mauritania. Also here in Nuadibu as well, uh, the new stadium uh, start uh, municipal de Nuadibu, which was inaugurated. Um, on, choose, on Tuesday by the FIFA president, that's uh, Gianni Infantino. Um, FIFA also supported um, uh, the Mauritanian um, Football Federation to build um, uh, that stadium. Um, two brand new stadiums plus the renovated um, Olympic um, uh, Stadium in, in Nouakchott. So uh, Mauritania have benefited um, from FIFA support and, and the facilities have been, have been good um, definitely. Uh, so you got to see the FIFA president Gianni Infantino on Tuesday night? 
Yes, um, he was the, he was here with his entourage, um, from, from, um, uh, Zurich, um, with, um, the Secretary General, that's, uh, Senegal's Fatma Samura. So he was really, um, happy, uh, that, um, FIFA's, um, Ford program is helping, um, countries, especially in the continent, um, here to develop their football. And of course, um, with the facilities that he's, with the facilities that he saw, um, on, on Tuesday, he was really happy that, uh, Mauritania benefited from it. And of course, it is helping them to host, um, their made in Africa Cup of Nations tournament. Well, sounds very impressive. And, uh, Mamadou, uh, Mali won the last edition of the tournament, but they didn't qualify this time around. Uh, who would you say are the main contenders? Yeah, uh, Mali, Mali didn't qualify. Also, the runners of that Senegal, uh, they didn't qualify. The baby scorpions of the Gambia, um, qualified from that zone. So in the tournament here, I think, um, Ghana with the 4-0 white was against David and Tanzania. Uh, they are the early favorites. Morocco played against the Gambia, which they won um, by goal to nil. Um, it was a cagey game. Maybe the baby scorpions deserve at least a point from that game, but um, Morocco played well. In other group, I was impressed with um, um, Uganda. They played um, really, really well in uh, winning uh, by two goals to zero. So for me, after the first my days, I have been impressed with uh, Uganda, um, Ghana, and of course, um, Morocco. I was talking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba in Nouadhibou in Mauritania and the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations continues to the 6th of next month. Now, one issue and accusation that we've heard over the past few weeks is the weaponization of COVID-19 in African football. Uh, some teams have accused their opponents of arranging fake positive COVID-19 results to rule players out of action. Uh, Simba of Tanzania were accused of this twice by their opponents in the early rounds of this season's CAF Champions League, uh, though they deny the allegations, uh, first by Nigerian club Plateau United and then by FC Platinum of Zimbabwe. Now, five key FC Platinum players were ruled out of their game against Simba in Tanzania after testing positive for COVID-19, along with three officials, and this just before the game, which they lost 4-0. There were allegations of dirty tricks, but retests were done after the game and all eight tested positive again. But FC Platinum still insists that COVID testing is being used to destabilise their team by their opponents. They're in Senegal currently for a Confederation Cup tie this weekend and they organise their own testing on arrival in Dakar through the Zimbabwe Embassy there. Now FC Platinum coach Norman Mapeza says he's used to dirty tricks being used in continental competitions and he alleges that this is the latest trick. Look, I, I played for the national team and those things used to happen before but there was, this, there was a time where, where everything started to flow where we thought if you can go away, if you play well, you can get a result. But with what I saw in Tanzania, that's my fear. I think that cancer again is coming back to, to African football. You know, and if Gaff is not going to do anything about that, then I don't know where really we are, we are heading to with football in Africa. You know, because the people, they can't take advantage of this COVID pandemic to, to, to get a qualification to, 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 to the next round or to the group stages. I think Gaff needs to be strict. Gaff needs to be strict. So I just, that's my main fear at the moment. But like I said, I think the best way is for us to get as many goals when we're playing at home so that when we go away, we'll know what to do. Because I think the lessons we've learned in Tanzania, the, 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 the lessons, but it's, we're learning, we're learning, especially for the guys, they're learning. I spoke to them. These things used to happen when I used to play with the national team. But those are lessons to learn. 
Well, that's the coach of Zimbabwean club FC Platinum, Norman Mapeza, and as I say, Simba totally deny those accusations. But there were allegations too at the CHAN, the African Nations Championship, which ended in Cameroon earlier this month. Well, I'm joined by African football expert Asha Kombugisha, uh, usually in Uganda and currently in Tunisia. She was at the CHAN. Can we take these allegations seriously, that uh, COVID-19 testing is being used as a weapon in African football? Well, to be honest with you, that's what it looks like. We have all these cases um, happening across the continent, and it's a coincidence. Uh, when you look at... Um, uh, the team from Mauritania, uh, Nodibu, uh, that went all the way to Ghana to play Asante Kotoko and claimed the same. Uh, and then Asante Kotoko traveled to Sudan to play uh, against Al-Hilal. And they went ahead to organize their own testing without informing the Al-Hilal team. And when the results came out, they claimed that uh, Al-Hilal uh, had something to do with this. Yet Al-Hilal said, look, we don't have a reason to do that. We beat Asante Kotoko in Ghana. Uh, there's, there's no reason why we should use that. And yet they did not even inform us about the details of their testing in Sudan. So anyway, when you look at uh, what happened in Chan, it was really, really you know, very unfortunate because I want to explain to you what happened. DR Congo was set to play Cameroon in the quarterfinals. This is the Central African derby, one of the biggest matchups that you have. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, Zimbabwe playing against Zambia, Kenya against Uganda, or Uganda against Rwanda. It's always, um, you know, emotional, I should say. Um, and so everyone was looking up for this um, tie. But then you have the test being done. And Flora Ibenge, who had just tested negative and recovered, uh, and addressed the media at the press conference on a Wednesday, was now said to be positive again in the results that came out on Thursday. Now, how is that possible? So the Congolese contested these results and said, let's redo the, the, the tests. And when the tests were redone, the numbers came down from 13 players to two players and one official, a member of the medical staff of DR Congo. And then the game was played um, later that night, but the results came back at 2.30 p.m., uh, the team did not train the day before. Uh, they slept not knowing what is the situation and they had to play within uh, six hours of the results coming out. So it's just unfair, you know, how people want to win at all costs. And this is not good for African football. But I like the way CAF are handling the issue now. They're trying to send, um, how can I say, COVID-19 officers and medical doctors to the countries where the CAF Champions League games are taking place and the Confederation Cup. It's not going to be easy, but they have to start somewhere. But then uh, Cameroon were denying those allegations, saying that they were just following the medical procedures uh, for that game against the DRC. Well, it's unfortunate because, you know, the Congolese are saying, how is it possible that the Cameroonians knew our results before we knew them? So these are just small things happening around the game that are tarnishing the name of Cameroon so far. And it's unfair because um, Cameroon are going to host the AFCON. Uh, who knows how far this pandemic will go? What if uh, for the AFCON next year in January, we still are in the middle of a pandemic? Um, will they then use the same uh, if, for example, they come up against, you know, a defending champion like Algeria or like Nigeria, Egypt, a big team in Africa? Um, are they going to do the same? Now, uh, we just hope that CAF handles the matter a little bit better and become proactive rather than reactionary uh, in a situation like this.
Wow, so uh, is it true that uh, COVID-19 is being used as a weapon in African football, the, the latest dirty trick, uh, if you like? We keep on following this one here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And just before you go, Asha, there's been a lot of support for Cameroon and Ajax goalkeeper Andre Onana, who's been given a one-year ban by UEFA after he failed an out-of-competition doping test. Now, Onana and Ajax say that they will appeal, as Onana says he unknowingly took a banned substance. Indeed, he says he accidentally took his wife's medication when he was not feeling well. Uh, the Global Players Union FIF Pro uh, say the sentence is excessive and disproportionate. Uh, but UEFA were just following the rules, Asha. Yes, I mean, when the news broke out, um, as you said earlier, I was in Cameroon for the Chan. I spoke to a couple of people who know Onana on a personal level, some in the Federation, some uh, just fans and football enthusiasts, and some journalists as well. And they know Onana. He's not that kind of person who wants to cheat. Uh, he's worked his way all the way, um, you know, up the ladder of, uh, of world football. To play for Ajax is a big honor for him. And as you know, that he's... Uh, one of the very few African goalkeepers uh, playing their tread in, in the top leagues in, in, in the world. I think it was just a mistake. You know, some of these things happen. And yes, we know that players sign these documents and say uh, that they are not going to dope, but he has no reason to dope, um, even as a goalkeeper. He, he It doesn't help him in any way to take um, a drug to help him in courts uh, perform well. He's already a top athlete. Um, I know that every day he wakes up, he wants to do his best and represent his country to the very best. But the fact that um, he was given 12 months, that's a huge punishment, especially because UEFA agrees that um, they know it was a mistake, but they're just following the rules. 12 months is a long time. And by the way, it could affect um, his performance because FIFA could also follow suit and say you're banned from football. And then that would mean he would miss out on the AFCON on home soil in Cameroon as uh, the country hosts their first major men's football tournament since 1972. Uh, that would be really unfortunate. I hope that um, uh, the appeal, you know, will, will land on good ears and that he will get back into action. Thanks, Asha. That's uh, Asha Komogisha, our guest analyst on the show this week, as uh, Ida is away. And we're asking for your views on this one this week on social media. Should Andre Onana's ban be lifted? There's lots of support for the Cameroon and Ajax goalkeeper Andre Onana, who's got this one-year ban by UEFA after failing an out-of-competition doping test. Uh, but Onana says that he took his wife's medicine by mistake, resulting in the positive test. The Global Players Union FIFA Pro says the sentence is excessive and disproportionate. Andre Anana and Ajax say that they will appeal. So as it stands, the one-year ban is likely to affect his career in a big way. So should Onana's ban be lifted or eased if it was a genuine mistake? At the same time, in track and field athletics, there's much more in and out of competition testing. It's much more common than in football. And athletes know that they have to be so careful when it comes to taking medication. And if they do it by mistake and get caught, they still get punished. You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Always great to hear from you. 
Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. You can read Russ Bravo's blog there on young English Premier League managers and the value of patience. This after Frank Lampard's departure from Chelsea. That's on our website, planetsport.tv. You'll find it in the blog section. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. And last week we asked, how do you rate Al Ahly's performance at the FIFA Club World Cup as the African champions finished third after a penalty shootout win over Palmeiras of Brazil? It was the best performance by an African team at the FIFA Club World Cup since 2013. Al-Ahli coached by South African Pizzo Mossimane. So we asked, what do you think about how Al-Ahli performed? And, uh, well, this topic really caught your attention with another big response across our social media platforms. And here with the comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And we start today on Facebook. And Abdullahi Bar in the Gambia says... Our Akli did great. We are very proud of them. Abbas Kanu in Sierra Leone agrees. It was a very good performance, says Abbas. And Ojumi, God sent Boye in Liberia, even goes further. Their performance was very, very, very good, says Ojumi. To WhatsApp now, and Sadiq Idrisu in Ghana says, Our Akli were better than we expected. At least Barcelona will now know there's an African team that performed better than they did. Yes, indeed, as Barcelona didn't qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup this year, with German champions Bayern Munich being the European representatives. Odipo Morris is in Kenya. Our athlete did well, says Odipo. It's not a bad thing to lose by a small margin to a well-oiled German machine. However, I was rooting for Al Duhal because of Kenyan striker Michael Olunga. Yes, indeed. Olunga signed for Al Duhal in January from Japanese club Kashiwa Reysol after winning the Golden Boot and the J-League's Most Valuable Player Awards in 2020. Now here's the view of Ebrima Ba in the Gambia. African champions are Akli of Egypt did wonderfully well, says Ebrima, to finish in third position in front of Palmeiras of Brazil, is a great achievement. Not only for our Atli, but for Africa at large. I would rate their performance as 95%. To Uganda now, and Julia Cesar Ninibe says, Our Atli has always been a strong team in Africa, and you can always count on them. However, luck is currently still with Europe and South America for the Club World Cup title. Amat in the Gambia got in touch to say, well, it was a great performance from the Egyptian giants. I think they are such a good reference from most African clubs. It's high time that other African clubs start aiming for such a high level of competition. And Judex in Nigeria agrees. Truly, they really performed well, says Judex. They did well, most especially against Bayern Munich, although they lost that match overall. It was a breathtaking performance. Kitengeja Godfrey in Uganda also agrees, but wonders about the value of competition 
at this time. We, as Africans, appreciate our representative, our Akli, for the spirited fight that they rendered, says Godfrey. But to me, that tournament has nothing much to add to the players' CVs. It's only the organizers and sponsors of the tournament who gain out of the sweat of our players. Meanwhile, Bizwek Njakwa in Malawi feels our Akli have the potential to do even better in the days ahead. The performance of our Akli wasn't that bad, says Bizwek. Pizzo Mosimani, who have a good term at the club, if the performances continue. He has not been at the club for long. He will make corrections for the mistakes he has seen during their losses. And there might even be a stronger side next time. And Obina in Nigeria also points to the influence of our Akli's South African coach. They had a decent tournament, said Obina. They had no chance of winning against Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. But Pizzo Mosemane did a great job. Well done to our Akli. And like many this week, Bas Koli in the Gambia wasn't expecting our Akli to do so well at the start of the competition. I wasn't thinking they would reach that stage when you look at all the teams in the tournament. But when they won their first game, then, as a fan, your hope arises. Bayern Munich is one of the best teams, and I thought they would win by five or more goals. But nonetheless, our Akli surprised me, and I would like to congratulate them being crowned in third place at the FIFA Club World Cup, says Bas. And Sanar Jawona, also in the Gambia, shares that view. They did very well, says Sanar. I wasn't expecting them to win the bronze medal. They were unfortunate to play Bayern Munich in the semi-final. If not, they might have reached the final. But Mosimane and Aakli did extremely well. And finally, Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone says, It was a great performance and shows that African football is growing. So there you are, Steve. Unsurprisingly, many of our correspondents this week are praising our Aakli and their coach, Pizzo Mosimane, for masterminding their success. But there is also a real hope expressed that Africa shouldn't sit back now but build on this success and achieve even greater success in the years ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Ash. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. And a big well done to Al Atli. Let's go to the English Premier League now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I'm joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir. And the big games this weekend are Liverpool against Everton on Saturday and Arsenal Man City on Sunday. And with the UEFA Champions League knockout stage underway, Man City play away to Borussia Mönchengladbach next Wednesday. So is this a Pep Guardiola's time to win the Champions League with City, Stuart? At the end of November, having played 10 games in the Premier League, Manchester City found themselves in 13th place in the league table, having conceded five goals at home to Leicester City. If you'd suggested at that stage that City would win anything, let alone the league or the Champions League, you'd be laughed at. But now, 24 games played, City are not only top of the league, but have a 10-point gap over Manchester United and Leicester City. 13th, they might have been, but 11 straight wins in the Premier League since the end of November have put them in a commanding position. I mean, take Wednesday night away to Everton. With less than half an hour to go, it's one all. The game could go either way, but of course City, in the form they're in, secured a 3-1 win to extend their lead at the top. They're now runaway leaders of the Premier League and still in three cup competitions. And this is a very pertinent question, really. Could they win all four trophies? 
Liverpool, on the other hand, find themselves sixth in the Premier League, having lost their last three league games. When you think that in the previous two seasons, Liverpool lost four league games in two seasons. Now they've lost four league games in three weeks. It just shows you how far they've fallen. I think there's a real chance that Liverpool will finish outside the top four this season. And so playing Everton at the weekend is a massive game for them. Sadly, I really don't think that Arsenal-Manchester City will be very significant because I can't see Manchester City losing to them or to anyone at the moment. As you said, we saw the resumption of the Champions League this week. We're at the round of the last 16 with eight clubs playing this week and the other eight next week. And it proved to be an excellent week for Liverpool and a disastrous one for Barcelona. Now, the games are played over two legs. That's normally home and away. But because Spain and Germany, due to their COVID regulations, prevent people from England entering the country at the moment, this means that Leipzig's home game against Liverpool had to be played in Hungary. And next week, Borussia Mönchengladbach's game against Manchester City will be played in Hungary. And Atletico Madrid, home to Chelsea, will likely be played in Romania. All of which, I think, gives a significant advantage to the three English clubs who don't really have to play a proper away game. This week, Liverpool beat Leipzig 2-0 in that so-called away leg, with goals from Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, setting up what should be a straightforward second leg in Liverpool. It was a great result, but again, what an advantage not to have to go to Leipzig, where Manchester United lost earlier in the year. Now, Barcelona were beaten 4-1 at home by Paris Saint-Germain. And I think that told you a lot about both clubs. It confirmed that the great Barcelona team that we've admired has aged significantly and that they have not replaced the key players. Paris Saint-Germain, under the new manager Mauricio Pochettino, ex-Tottenham, now find themselves one point off the top of the league and virtually through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And arguably, we saw the best player in the world on the pitch in that game and he scored three goals. No, I don't mean Lionel Messi, I mean Kylian Mbappe. What an outstanding game he had and what a great player he is. Yes, no doubt. And uh, some are even going as far as saying that the top two players in the world right now are not Messi and Ronaldo, but Mbappe and Erling Haaland at Borussia Dortmund. And uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, I mentioned last week how little activity there'd been in the transfer window and how Fulham at the bottom had signed just one player and that on loan. Well, his name is Joyce Maja, and he was born in London, but has adopted Nigerian nationality and has had one cap for his country. He's on loan from Bordeaux in France, and he got his first start for Fulham against Everton and scored two goals as Fulham registered a rare win. Looks like good business there. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored three goals for Arsenal against Leeds. And it was the first time, incidentally, he's got three goals in a Premier League game for Arsenal. But it was also his 200th top-flight league goal, having scored 41 in France, 98 in Germany, and now 62 for Arsenal. At the start of November, Southampton were top of the Premier League. But since then, they've played 15 games and taken only 13 points. Only Sheffield United has gained fewer in that time. And in fact, Southampton have lost their last six Premier League games. Now, I mentioned last week 
what a big gap there is between the bottom three and the club above the relegation zone. It's currently six points. And if you look back over the last 38 seasons, which at the length of time we've had three points for a win, the highest previous gap at this stage of the season is three points. And the average has been 1.5 points. And that just underlines how difficult it will be for the three clubs in the bottom positions to escape this year. Now, I have an interesting one for you, Steve. When Manchester City were awarded a penalty against Tottenham last weekend, goalkeeper Ederson came out of his goal as if he was going to take it. And with City having missed eight of their last 16 penalties, and with Ederson apparently the best penalty taker in training, do you think it might be a good idea for Manchester City to let the goalkeeper take penalties? I wonder what we all think of that. (laughs) <laughs> I love it when the keepers take the penalties. Uh, we often see it in penalty shootouts and uh, occasionally the keepers do take penalties uh, in regulation time and it always adds to the entertainment. Thanks, Stuart. A reminder of our social media question this week. Uh, should Andre Onana's ban be lifted? The Cameroon and Ajax goalkeeper has been given a one-year ban by UEFA after failing an out-of-competition doping test. Onana says that when he wasn't feeling well, he took his wife medicine by mistake resulting in the positive test well the one-year ban is likely to affect his career in a big way so should his ban be lifted or be eased if it was a mistake and at the same time do sports people have a responsibility to be extra careful when taking medication you can post a comment on our facebook page that's planet sport football africa or send us a whatsapp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero should andre anana's ban be lifted well that's it for the show for this week so from me steve vickers and ash Tikiwa in harare from asha komogisha our guest analyst in tunisia and Stuart weir in the uk thanks a lot for listening and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production <laughs>